reason that, that I want us to just hold this sort of somber attitude, I want to bring to your mind, verse 11 is where we're going to start, Jason, again, if you would, please. There's a verse of scripture that you know very well. We love it because of the promise in it, because of the way that it portrays our Father's heart. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Don't you love that the Lord already has established a really good plan for your life? Come on, amen? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and hope. Don't you love that the Lord's got that kind of stuff for you? Come on, say amen if you love that. I do too. I love that, and it is. This is a great picture of your father's heart. If you don't know him that way, well, this is him. You've got a great plan for your life. And we love this particular verse because of that. Just leave that verse up, guys. I don't want to go to verse 10 yet. But here's, here's what we miss. We miss the context of this verse. We pluck it out. And we apply it, and it's, it's, it's good to do that, and it's, it's, not, it's not contextually wrong to do that. But it has a more exacting place. And we're there right now, church. Our nation is there right now. The context of this verse is exactly accurate to where we are. Any of you feel... Any of you feel concerned about our world right now? Come on, say amen if you're concerned. Any of you feel a, a despair? Feel a little despair? The timing of our 20... We don't normally do 21 days of prayer and fasting in September. And I'll be honest with you, before I read the whole context of this, I said it in the first service... I'm going to say it again. One of the difficulties of preaching two services is that any emotion that I have in the first service feels fake if I feel emotional in the second service at the same time. It just does, if you don't understand that. But this isn't fake. There is a context here. And I'll be honest with you, I have deeply unsettled emotions about this 21 days of prayer and fasting. I don't really want us to do it. I don't really want to hear what it is that I know the Lord wants to say. You say, what? Yep. Because it's, and I don't really want to be the guy preaching it. I told the first service, I'd rather be the cupcake guy. Everybody loves the cupcake guy. If you don't know what I'm talking about, well, sorry. <laughs> we delivered 700 cupcakes to a bunch of you yesterday. If you didn't get one, it's because you're not in our computer system. And if you'll text your stuff to that 24587, next time you'll get cupcakes. I'd rather be that guy. But we don't live in a time... That needs a bunch of cupcake people. I love that. But these are sobering times. Amen? And this section of scripture is unique. 
because this verse comes in the middle of a section at the end of a captivity in the people of Israel's life. They are completing a 70-year exile. I'll read the whole section in a minute, but let me set it up for you. Over and over in the people of Israel's history, they would be blessed by God incredibly. And over hundreds of years, not, not a decade, over hundreds of years, the blessing of God would be poured out upon them. And voices would come in and opinions would come in and philosophies would come in and false religion would come in and they would turn their face away from God. And then hardship would strike them. Captivity at the hands of many different nations. And in the midst of that difficulty, they would begin to cry out. They would remember. They would remember who it was that blessed them in the first place. And they would throw away all that other junk and they would cry out to God. And this this verse 11 that we know is in the middle of that awakening. Now, does any of that sound familiar? Does any of that feel familiar to our world right now? Hear the whole verse, the whole section, beginning in verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. This is at the beginning. I said it was at the end. It's at the beginning. The Lord has told them you're going to be removed from Jerusalem. You're going to be removed from Judah and you're going to go into captivity. And I'm going to hold you there till you begin to cry out to me again. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. See, that's how he wants people to live. But we sometimes choose otherwise. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me and you will seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Why prayer and fasting? Why now? Because Church, we've forgotten. We've forgotten some things. I read with regularity your social media posts. You know that. And the body of Christ has forgotten some things. Do you understand that the young people throwing Molotov cocktails into police lines, that verse 29, 11 applies to them as well. Do you understand that? Do you understand that the people that would oppose you at the top of their lungs and scream defamation to the name of the Lord, Christ hung on the cross for them as much as he did for you and I? Do you understand that the call to return to God when Jesus says the good shepherd will leave the 99, and that's you and me, and go search for the one that's lost. I was on 
a call this week on a Zoom call, and I don't have permission to tell you the name of the individual, or I would, but it's one of our leaders at our national level. You can figure it out if you want to. He's a black man. He's one of our national leaders. He was asked the question at the end of this call that we were on. He was asked, what do you think, what do you think we should do about the situations in our nation? He was asked specifically about the racial issue. He referenced a event that had happened in the city that he had pastored for a number of years. And he said, I'll tell you what I told them. He said, we've forgotten. He said, we've started identifying ourselves. I'm a, I'm a Republican Christian. I'm a Democrat Christian. I'm a white Christian. I'm a black Christian. I'm an Asian Christian. He said, and until the body of Christ flips those words, until we remember that the, he said, as long as we leave it that way, the thing that constrains us will be that first word. He said, until we remember that we are first bought with a price that the Republicans didn't have anything to do with. The message of who we are, the message of who the body of Christ is, supersedes all of those other messages. The reason that I love my brother more than myself is not because I'm a liberal or a conservative or a Democrat or Republican or I'm black or I'm white or I'm Asian. He said it is the blood of Jesus that applies to all of our lives that rises above all of those other things and causes us to be who this world so desperately needs. But we've forgotten that, church. Why have I called Abundant Life to a time of prayer and fasting? Because we have forgotten who we are in this world. We've forgotten what it is that we're called to be. I wished, oh my goodness, I wished... I wish it wouldn't take pain to draw me to my knees. I wish it wouldn't take hardship to remind me of my great unending need for his presence. I wish I'd be smart enough to stay close to the Lord when I'm just blessed on every side. Don't you? But how many of you with me would admit, listen, when I'm most fervent in my prayers is when my need is the greatest? Come on, Amen. And I believe that the Lord has allowed this nation, this world, if you will, to come to a place once again where we are radically introduced to the impoverished state of our faith and the impoverished state of our souls and the dearth of knowledge of his word that has gripped our minds and we have forgotten who we are. I want you to know that I am not a Republican first or a Democrat first. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why are we fasting? What is fasting? What's it about? Why? Why do it? My daughter sent me a text, Dad, what in the world were you thinking starting a 21-day fast the day before your birthday? 
I text her back. Because it's what the Lord told me to do, argue with him. That was sort of the end of the stream of text messages, all right? It's never convenient. There'll always be some reason not to do it. But church, it's time. It's time for you to put aside the things that keep you from pressing into God. It's time to tell the voice in your head that says you're too busy to press into God. That No, it is time. It's time for you to fall. It's time for us. It's time for the body of Christ to press in and seek him with all of our heart. It is time. If not now, when? If you can't feel a great enough sense of urgency in the world that you live in now, that the body of Christ needs to arise and come back to their feet and come back to their position wherein we quit fighting with fleshly weapons, we quit using our mouths and our money, and we begin to do the warfare for which we were called. We begin to use the weapons of our, our warfare, which are, say it with me, which are not carnal, but are mighty, the word says, but are mighty through God to do what? To pull down the strongholds, to cast down imaginations, to bring into the obedience of God every thought. Why fasting? Why praying? Why now? Number one, real quickly. What is fasting? Is it just about being hungry? No. Is it some sort of religious sacrament, some sort of old tradition? No, it's not. I want you to look over at your neighbor right now and you should say, sit up and pay attention. Say it to him right now. Sit up and pay attention. I know you're not kids, but you got to get this. Our world is at a crossroads. Young people, this is not a game. This is not a religious church service. This is a, this is a strategic meeting of the saints of God preparing to engage in battle. You will either pray with an A or you will be pray with an E. I refuse to be duped any longer by an enemy selling a bill of goods, wrapping it up in a political narrative or a cultural narrative. Or a, there is a bigger thing going on, and it's not the government's business. It's not legislators' business. It's our business. This is our business. Why fasting? Number one, what is it? Fasting is sacrifice with a purpose. I'm going to build a case. You sit up and pay attention. If it feels to you like I'm not playing, I'm not playing. It's burning in my soul. I was made for this moment. I feel it coming together in my life. Mm. You don't have to understand that, but get this. Fasting is sacrifice with a purpose. What does that mean? For the purpose of our study, and over the next three weeks, there are more components to what it means to be a human. 
but I just want to divide us into two generalized pieces. Two parts. One physical and one spiritual. Say that with me. Physical, spiritual. You obviously have an emotional nature. You have a psychological piece to you. You have, a, you have an ego. You have, I mean, there's lots of pieces, but just for the sake of this, physical and spiritual. Almost every minute of every hour of every day for your whole life to this minute, you and I have been living satisfying our physical desires. You wake up in the morning, man, I want a cup of coffee. That's physical. And nothing's sin in that, but it is physical. Amen? There's some kids in the room, but most of them are pretty old, and they live in a world that's hypersexualized. Husbands, you look over at your wife, and you go, whoo, baby. That's what I'm looking for right there. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I got a piece of paper that says I can grab her every time she steps out of the shower, and I try. Nothing sinful about that, amen? God created sex. He was in a nifty mood that day. (laughs) Young people are over there blushing. (laughs) Hey, we didn't find you under cabbage leaves. We made you. (laughs) Mess with us. We take you out, make another one that looks just like you. (laughs) I'm sorry, a little funny slipped in. (laughs) Sometime in the morning, you go, I'm hungry. I'm going to go make some eggs, going to make some toast. Around noon, I'm hungry again. Going to go get a burger, going to eat a salad. Sometime around dinner, keeps happening, doesn't it, over and over. We want to go out and we have a special evening. What do we do? We go to a nice restaurant. We want really good food. We, we are constantly, we have been, from the moment you started drawing breath, you have been satisfying your physical desires. Everybody say Amen. There's nothing sinful about many of those. You can enter into sin doing that, but you don't have to. But we are living in these physical bodies. And for every moment since your heart has been beating, you have been satisfying those desires. In my opinion, you and I, people alive during this generation and alive on earth today, we are the most physically stimulated people to ever live. About a generation ago, people began to use advancing technologies to make money by appealing to your physical appetites. Really in four primary veins. They use our eyes. They use our ears. They use our stomachs. Then they use our sexuality. Say amen if you get that. I'm amazed that they sell hot dogs with sex. They sell hamburgers with some woman clantly dressed eating a, eating a burger. Listen, she didn't get that way eating that burger, I promise you that. We buy into it. Come on, don't we? We are constantly stimulated. Messages on the radio, messages on the television, messages on social media. We are the most physically stimulated generation to ever walk the earth. It is constant. Go eat. Go recreate. Go have sex. Go listen to music. Go, go entertain. Go, go listen. You, you have this desire to, to men, young men are wrapped into these, uh, these, these uh, war games because there's, that's a physical thing. We want to satisfy that so I can play. I mean, goodness gracious, 
video games, all of it. It's everywhere. We're the most physically stimulated generation ever. And we are told to satisfy those desires. And we're given outlets to do so. Whether it be food or sex or money or position, we, we are physical and we live in a, it's like you jumped into the deep end of the pool and you are completely immersed in a physical world. Say amen if you understand that. You may not have thought about it that way, but let me tell you, your grandparents didn't live in that world. They got a printed media and a radio was the first thing. And now it's, you're bombarded with it. Not all sin, not all bad, but we're the most physically stimulated generation to walk the earth. What has fasting got to do with that? Because we live in this soup of wildly stimulated and satisfied physical selves, it is very unusual to find a person that denies themselves anything. Fasting is sacrifice with a purpose. Fasting is the self-imposed denial of some of those physical desires, not because of some religious tradition or because somebody leveraged you or because you're part of a, a group that, no, because there is this thing in you that says, Lord, more than anything, I desire you. Lord, I desire you. More than food, more than pleasure, more than sex, more than money, more than position, more than ego. More, Lord, I want you. Does that mean that all those other things are bad? No, they were created by him. Don't, don't, don't swing the pendulum to where any of those in the way God created them is sin. They're not. There's been religious tradition in the past that have said, listen, anything that is fun is sin. I kind of grew up in some of that. That's not what God created this world for us to enjoy. But he said, seek first the kingdom of God. And then I'll give you all those other things. Put me first. Fasting is, is sacrifice with a purpose. Fasting is the self-imposed denial of physical desires in the pursuit of God. Fasting is saying to God, I want you more than this. And we live in a world that desperately, listen church, desperately needs, you got to get this, desperately needs the body of Christ to awaken and take this position of spiritual warriors that Ephesians 6 has called us to where we were told to put on the whole armor of God and having done all to stand, we alone stand as the representatives, the ambassadors. Paul called us in the book of Corinthians, you alone are the ambassador of God in your world. And you can't do that swimming in the ocean of everything but God. So fasting is sacrifice with a purpose. Secondly, when we fast, we replace the pursuit of physical things with the pursuit of spiritual things. Eyes, ears, stomach, sexual desires, others as well, but those are just four big categories. God made our bodies and he made them wonderfully. 
This is not to say, as I said, that, that all physical things are sin. They're not. Rather, we are denying ourselves. Not an evil thing. Listen, if you, if you say, okay, God, over the course of the next 21 days, I'm going to quit cheating on my wife. You, you've sort of missed the boat earlier. We're not giving up sin. You hear me? We're giving up things that are not sinful. We're giving up things that might even be a part of God's created blessing in your life, but we're not allowing those things to replace him. We are setting our affections on him for a purpose. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What's its purpose? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says this. Mm. This is... If you're ever trying to break into my stuff, most of my passwords are Galatians 220, just so you know. I want this verse to be on my mind. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be crucified. That doesn't sound desirable to me. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It's not me. It's him. Scripture says Christ in all and through all. Colossians tells us that we are with God in Christ. John 15, if you abide in me, my word abides in you. We have, in the body of Christ, this message is just, and if it feels to you like I'm, Pastor, you're always saying, yes, I am, because it's, it's just reverberating in my spirit week after week after week after week after week. You cannot alloy your father with this world. You say, what does that mean? You can't take the life that you used. I can't take the life that I used to live and just mix God in it and whoo, it's all. No, we've been, you've been set apart. You've been sanctified. You've been set apart for his purposes. You've been endued with power from on high by the Holy Spirit that lives in you. You can't just mix him with this world. He's called us out. Colossians speaks of the fact that we can't go back to that old life. You've been delivered from that life. You've been delivered out of that sin. You've been delivered out of that death. You've been raised to newness of life. Why? Because there's a, listen, there's an enemy. John 10, 10, we say it almost every week. And he is right now ravaging our nation. He's captivated people's minds with a philosophy. He's captivated people's hearts with a hatred. He's captivated people's agenda with, with, with a strategy with a strategy and all of it is in opposition to the heart of God for men and women. He has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he's doing it on our watch. Yeah. 
A 17-year-old kid from our state takes a semi-automatic rifle and he drives into a known conflicted area. His mom drives him. You say, Pastor, you're about to get over into political stuff. I don't care anything about the political. I, I want to... 17? And then there, then there are people who call the name of Jesus, who applaud. You've forgotten who you are. 17? When there are people so filled with hate that they will come at I'm, 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 I'm mad at all of them. People that will come at that. There's a kid holding an automatic weapon. And you're going to try to smack him with a skateboard? If you don't see beyond the color in those moments and see that there is a spirit at work in our nation to steal, kill... Two people died and that kid's life is over. And if you, if, you, if you are caught up in the politics of that and there's not something that causes you to fall on your face and say, I bind you, devil, in the name of Jesus. You cannot come into my land. You cannot steal the lives of these young people. You cannot so captivate people's minds and hearts that they cannot see you. You cannot fill my nation with hate. You cannot divide our people. You cannot rob, steal, and kill without coming over me in my prayer closet binding you in the name of Jesus. If you are... If you call the name of Jesus and you're not being driven down onto your face to intercede, listen, close down your social media post and get down on your face and ask the Lord to do something in our nation that only his spirit can do, that only his power can do, that only his church can do. You say, Pastor, you're, you're picking a side. Yes, I am. My leader's name is Jesus. Come on, church, we've forgotten. we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten what we're here for. Why are we fasting? Because there's got to be something in us that pushes aside all of that. I see it in the body of Christ. I see it here. I see people getting, they get upset about stuff, and I go, open your eyes. Holy Spirit, when you pray, when you hear me church over and over, there's a phrase that I say, I want you to know how the sausage is made. If you don't know what that means, good. You don't want to know how the sausage is made. When you hear me pray, Lord, stir your people. Stir your people. That comes from a picture in the scripture where it talks about an eagle stirring her nest. What, what is that? It's not just sh- that, that when an eagle makes a nest and babies are born, she lines it. She lines it with larger sticks and then smaller sticks. And eventually she will pluck out her own 
her own down to line the nest so that it is comfortable, so that it's pleasing, so that the little chicks don't jump out because they're being poked all the time. She lines it. But as they get bigger and their wings begin to mature and they begin to stand on the edge, she begins to slowly pull that padding out. She begins to make it uncomfortable until there comes a moment when they recognize, hey, I'm not supposed to be bound by this nest. I'm supposed to soar. And they jump out and fly. And the Lord is beginning to stir his nest. He's stirring me. Fasting is when we push aside all of our pleasures or some of our pleasures. And not because we have to, not because some preacher made you feel guilty, but because there's something burning inside you that says, Father, I'm not here without purpose. And if the enemy has told you you're not worthy of this, oh my goodness, I want you to know you are. If he's told you your past disqualifies you from being someone that he can use as his ambassador in this, I want you to know that's a lie from the devil. You are. Fasting is when we set aside things all the way to our most basic desires. I mentioned sexuality. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. Paul's talking to husbands and wives. He's talking to them about being together sexually. And he says, don't deprive one another. Amen, hallelujah, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> that's not in the Bible. That's my translation. My wife's working today. If I want her to know I said that, I'll tell her. I don't need all of you reporters texting her. Ooh, you should have heard what your husband said. You will. Some of you are getting your phones out right now. I want you to know I love my wife. I'm crazy about her. Yes. I was going to say, and she is crazy about me, but that gets a little over the top. All right, listen. Paul said, don't deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourself to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. All the way to our most basic physical desires, the Lord said, there are times when you ought to even set that aside and pursue me. Number three, quickly. Fasting sharpens our spiritual senses and our spiritual tools. Any of you ever find yourself lamenting when you hear about the miracles in the past that used to accompany the... Pentecostal church. Any of you here? Man, I remember when sister so-and-so was healed. I remember when brother so-and-so had cancer in the tumor. Just, I mean, he had a big tumor on his neck and it just disappeared. We all watched it. I've heard those stories. I'm a little tired of them. I'm not tired of it happening then. I'm tired of it not happening now. And we ask ourselves, why? How come? I think it's because we're swimming in a pool of physical desires. And we don't routinely sacrifice and press into the Lord. We don't pray through. We don't spend time. Fasting is saying to the Lord, no, Lord, I am going to press in. Jensen Franklin said this, and I believe it. Power follows passion. Where there is hunger, there is passion. Where there is passion... There is power. 
Anybody want to see God powerfully touch our world again? Anybody? Then you've got to get hungry. I don't mean that just in the fasting. I mean, but that, that fits. I just thought about that. It's time to get hungry, church. It's time to get hungry. It's time to set aside some of the physical part of our world. Set your eyes on the heart of God so greatly that you say, Father, I'll give up food. Lord, I'm going to give up the internet. I'm going to give up. Watch this. I'm going to set this phone aside and I'm going to walk away from it for 21 days. Some of you don't even know if life's possible. What is it? Watch this. What is it that you need the most? What is it that you depend upon? For your emotional strength. What is it that you what what is it that you lean upon? What is it that brings you joy? What is it that you spend your time and your money on? What is it that when you're not doing something else, that's the thing you think about doing? That is the thing I'm asking you to give up. Pastor, that's that's hard. Yeah. I'm just scanning across the room. I'm I'm looking. Some of you need to give up sports. Some of you need to park that motorcycle and not ride it for 21 days. Oh, that's of the devil. (laughs) Some of you need to not have sweets. Some of you need to not have coffee. Some of you need to some of you need to give up golf, bowling, basketball. I don't know what it is, but you do. You say why? Because you told me to, Pat? No, absolutely not. Some of you need to turn your music off. Do you hear that? Some of you need to only listen to worship music for 21 days instead of whatever else. Yeah, all right. Now now I went to preach and had a mom. Yeah, I'm talking to all your kids sitting right there. That's right, I am. You put them up here on the front, too. I love that, man. I... How you doing, Jamal? You ever seen a black kid turn red? That's it, right there. That's what it looks like. How you doing, Jamal? Jamal, come up and be on television with me right now. The whole world? No. I love, I, love, I love your kids. You know that, all right? I do. Jamal's leaving for basic training tomorrow. Thursday. Today? I'm going to get back to this in a second, but I told him last week, Jamal, don't volunteer for nothing. And did he tell you what I told him? No? I said, got to close your mouth. I said, you got to be quiet. You got to get under the radar. You don't want to be on the district of drill instructor's radar, brother. Let me tell you. Sacrifice. Why? Because you want the Lord more. What is it that he's calling you to give up today? I've been praying all week that the Lord would show you something. Something that will hurt. Something that costs you something. Why? David said, I will not offer a sacrifice that costs me nothing. David, a man after God's heart. God's looking for some people that will be after his heart. What about you this morning? Fasting sharpens our spiritual senses and our spiritual tool. Listen to what John, and I'll end with this, John 12 Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. 
Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What does that mean? That question, that that verse, those two verses, worship team, come back, please. They're the answer to a question that was asked of Jesus, a really strange answer to what seemed like a pretty simple question. You see, Jesus was in a house and he was teaching. And two of the apostles, two of his disciples were outside the house. And some non-Jewish men came up to Jesus. And they said, said, we want to talk to Jesus. And they weren't Jewish. And so the disciples didn't know what they should do. So they went inside. And one of them asked Jesus, Lord, there are two Greeks outside who want to see you. Should we let them in? And Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it it can't produce a harvest. But if it falls into the ground and dies, it, it can produce a great harvest. And one of the disciples looked at the other one and said, what? What does that mean? Preach it, preach it, preach it, man, preach it, all right? That's exactly what it sounded like to the disciples when Jesus gave their answer. What? I don't know what that means. Speak it out. It's all over you, all right? I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. I'm trying to make this real serious again, but it's just not happening. What does it mean? What's fasting about? It's about you saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm willing to have a part of me die for a season. Because I want you. Why? Because this world needs the anointing that comes only, listen, only through the people of God. And it's absent right now for the most part. Because you and I are in, we're all wrapped up in this argument. We're all wrapped up. We're either Republican Christians or Democrat Christians or white Christians or black Christians or because we forgot who we are and we forgot the price that was paid for us and we forgot what we're here to do it's time we remember and when you begin to fast God's going to draw you close to him now you got to get this and you're going to start hearing his heart The voice right now that's the loudest in some of us is the voice from this world. Fear, rejection, hatred, anger, race, money, sex. That's the voice that's the loudest in you. As you begin to fast, that voice is going to get quiet. you got to choose it, though. That voice is going to diminish each day a little bit. And the voice of the one who died to redeem you. Every day it'll get a little louder and a little louder until suddenly the political agenda of our world won't be the thing guiding you in your life. It'll be the heart of your father. And the minute the body of Christ 
starts responding like our Father. The darkness can't handle the light. Listen, the darkness cannot handle the light. And we've forgotten that we, listen, by the edict of Jesus, are the light of the world. We are supposed to be a city set on a hill. Do you know what that metaphor means? We're supposed to be like a lighthouse of hope and rest and peace and reconciliation and joy and healing and purpose. We forgot who we are. Stand with me this morning. But you know what's happening? The atmosphere is changing. You think, oh, coronavirus was terrible. No, that's just the Babylonians. The racial tension, oh my goodness, that's going to tear. No, that, that was just Nebuchadnezzar. Do things need to change? Oh, in Jesus' name, yes. But slowly, the body of Christ is beginning to awaken. Took fear, once again, to drive us there. The people are beginning to remember who they are.